Welcome back to the More Love podcast with Helen Reynolds. Now, today's guest is rather special and particularly difficult to introduce, but let me try. Jane was born in Sydney to Lebanese Phoenician parents. He is a self-taught mathematical futurist, a numerical nomad and digital genius. Some of his colleagues describe him as a mathematical monk. Jane continues to enjoy a lifetime involvement with the Fibonacci sequence, the five platonic solids, sacred geometry and magic squares. His work with rapid mental calculation, sometimes known as Vedic mathematics, a two and a half thousand year old Indian system of mental arithmetic empowers students to perform mental calculations in many cases quicker than a calculator. His current research is on the true value of pi, which is 3.144 and more, infinite and based on the square root of phi. This is a highly controversial subject and his gift to humanity. Some unexpected facts about Jane include, in Australia, he was the first person to legally have a single first name, Jane, without a surname which he did in 1984 after his first near-death experience after a hired killer plunged a knife through his chest and heart chakra. Jane is the first person in the world to adopt a numerical surname. His official surname or last name is 108. Jane has also devoted his life to explaining the deeper meaning of Shri 108 and is well respected by the Indian communities for educating them about the lost mathematical origins of this anointed number and how it essentially relates to the living maths of nature. Jane was the first to create a theatre of holy numbers, specifically teaching children the wonder of magic squares via theatre, dancing digits and sacred geometry. And the last unexpected fact... Jane is the first in this century to teach the lost art of what he calls magic fingers or finger computation or handy maths, demonstrating how a child can learn how to do their six times, seven times, eight times and nine times table tactilely on their fingers in just 10 minutes. Welcome, Jane. Hello, thank you. What a great introduction. Wow. Well, I certainly know that I didn't learn my times tables in 10 minutes and I'm not sure I can even remember them in their entirety anymore. I had to find another way to teach students to memorise their timetable because I tutor many students up here in the far north of New South Wales and um, we're trying to do speed maths, Vedic maths, but the, the thing is they don't know their times table, which is their foundation. So... You can't learn these rapid mental calculations if you don't understand your times table, which we all learnt or memorised as children. So I found an amazing way called Magic Fingers where you can give every finger a different number, like it's this is six, seven, eight, and nine, join them, and you've got the answer. And it's incredible. So I was part of an e-course that I put together on Vedic mathematics or speed math. Yeah, so I love helping children um, get more confident and also to develop their memory power. That's really important. Well, I certainly could have done with that. I could still do with that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we realised that everything that we were teaching for children, this is our epiphany this year, we did a, a thing called Sacred Geometry for Children, right? So beginners course for Sacred Geometry. And as we watched all the content back, my daughter and her mum, we're a family business, they said, Dad, this is... um." for adults too it's not just for kids so we refilmed everything we refilmed the whole course on sacred geometry which we did in a classroom situation and we redid it here again in my backyard which is like it looks like the danger it's a rainforest setting with a running creek and birds and beautiful trees so we filmed it and it all went viral we filmed it as if to say this is not just for children this is also for adults like you said so that was an epiphany for us and um so now we're on a high because we realise that everything we teach isn't just for children. So I just released a course this week called The Golden Ratio. It's all about the fabulous Fibonacci sequence, which is one of my passions. And we, um, instead of just saying it's for children, we said this is also for adults and it's just gone viral as well. 
So it was all about how to brand or market something. Because I'm I'm old school. I still study my old ways. You know, everything's for children. And where that all started for me was that um, I grew up in a very rich family in Sydney, and my parents made their wealth through real estate and shops and we were builders I'm a bricklayer by trade all my life I've been laying bricks and as my father went from rags to riches having come out from Lebanon basically what happened was that I never had one story in my whole life read to me even though I excelled at school I never had parental involvement where they came to those nights where you receive certificates and awards but basically as a child I never had one story read to me so I'm a I became an avid book collector I used to study I, I love studying and teaching so when I developed these courses for children my wound was that I never had parental involvement so I decided to design courses where I said get involved with your child's education it was all about getting the parent the mother or father sitting with their child and learning magic fingers or Fibonacci sequence or drawing mandalas from magic square so that was the seed how all of this evolved and basically it became another thing called the art of number where we transform number patterns like Fibonacci sequence and numbers that appear boring like magic squares. So when you turn them into a picture, it joins or lights up the right brain. So when you do numbers, numbers on their own are considered left brain. That's the logical male analytical part of the brain. But as soon as you turn numbers into art or pictures, the, that's the right brain. That's the feminine, intuitive, musical, hologram, the exciting part. So I realized that I stumbled upon something by turning numbers into pictures. Um, we created whole brain learning without realizing what we were doing. And then suddenly I was able to teach autistic children. And, and these um, patterns, as you draw, sim they also became ancient symbols. So we were starting to generate from number codes, things like pentagrams, hexagrams, uh, um, the Masonic symbols and hieroglyphs. So we realized that this, we weren't just drawing pretty pictures. These were actually, this was ancient not lost knowledge. So that's how it evolved from a humble inquiry into how do I get my child excited to want to learn mathematics. Wow. So what part of the journey from bricklayer to now um, creating all these e-courses and with such an incredible depth of knowledge and somewhere in between there having a really dramatic near-death experience. How does all, what what's the order of all those things? How did it all unfold? So basically I grew up since the age of five or seven, every weekend of my life in Sydney was with my brother and sometimes my sister, we were on building blocks. We were carting bricks and concrete and woods were always working. So I worked every weekend of my life. And then basically my father at the age of 18, because I was a good boy, dad said, I want to give you a home. Like my brother got home, his first home, and then my sister and I got one. But for some reason at 18, I rejected. I don't know why, but I actually said no. I, I felt a longing to want to have to travel even though I was the, the good Arabic boy and I obeyed my family, I, I didn't want to become what my parents, my, my dad never became a doctor in Lebanon. So he came out, he was an academic, he was a math teacher in Lebanon, a scholar. He spoke five languages, Armenian and Syrian. And so he came out here and his wound was that he couldn't become a doctor, but he had the intelligence. So that was implanted upon me. But for some reason, I, re I rejected doing medicine at 18, I rejected the family home and I decided to do um, the, my first spiritual move that where I had to think for myself was when I was doing my exams at Miranda High School, I decided not to finish my maths paper because I always got 99%. I was a genius in maths. If I finished my maths paper, I would have gotten the top 2% in Australia and I would have had to do medicine. So I had a kind of like... Um, a moment where I thought, I'm just going to sit here and not finish my math paper. So I only got in the top three, four percent of Australia. So I couldn't do medicine, and that was fantastic. And what happened was my, um, what, what the reason why that happened was the principal came to me and said, uh, Colin, my name was Colin then, um, and it was actually Colin Saad, but my my name couldn't be pronounced as Sa'ud, which is a good name, meaning fortune. So my name was Mr. Sad, and that explains why I became Jane later on. 
I wanted to change my name from Sad to another name. And anyway, the principal said, "Look, Colin, um, all my all my peers, they're all doctors. You don't really want to do medicine. I know you love your good in your grades, but he said to look me in the eyes. This is the principal of the school. He said." Who are you? What do you want to do? Not what your dad wants. And I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a writer. I love doing poetry and art and writing. He said, well, here's a course. He found me a course where I had to study um, professional writing. And that's, so I've become a professional writer through that. So, But what happened was after I didn't do the three-year Bachelor of Arts, so I did my passion, but I had a really bad teacher, really bad teacher. So I decided after two, on the third year, I'm just going to, I gave away everything I owned and I went and lived in New Guinea for two years in the bush. No money for two years, subsistence agriculture. They didn't speak English and they adopted me. So I got adopted into a black community in Torres Straits and I designed their flags there for some islands. They felt there was no white people there. They actually disliked colonial white people because I was an Arab They kind of, with long hair down to my waist. They kind of pardoned me and loved me but then they tried to marry me after two years and I left so I came back to Sydney and I'm leading up to my near-death experience so this is 1982 by the time I left by 1983 I, I was back in Sydney and I'd lived so deep in nature I was so connected to spirit world in a way I'd given away everything I owned in Sydney traveled looking trying to understand who I am really and someone said, oh, there's a community out in the Blue Mountains called uh, Art Haven. It was a new community. So that was great for a year. We thought we had a two-year lease. And I started painting all my murals. I started painting all these magic squares and golden ratios on the walls. It was kind of like a dreamscape for me. But something happened. Just to fast forward, the next year, by 1984 in January, without me knowing what was going on. They wanted to dissolve the community, but we had a two-year lease. And because my father grew up in real estate, I fought, I challenged their lease, didn't knowing that there was a, they wanted to build a casino there, like, you know, a $200 million project. They had to get rid of 40 artists. So in a nutshell, basically someone from Vietnam was paid to kill me for $1,000 that went through a four-year court case. So, so I'm 27, a knife has been plunged through my chest as I was, preparing for a festival on that site in Blackheath and um, suddenly I'm out of my body and I was out I was out for two days but something happened to me we'll call it upstairs while I was out of my body I got to view my whole life as if it was like not a movie it was a movie but I remember witnessing every year of my life as if it was like a still like a photograph but it moved along as a movie I was seeing my whole life and that kind of explains what people say to me today, like, Jane, you're so um, dedicated, like you've been doing this for 40 years, unwavering. And that's because I, I could say that I had this experience where I saw my whole life. So I know who I am. I know what I want to do. And, and my vision was to create a new curriculum. But in those days, pre-internet, I, I made that manifestation that I want every child in the world to learn sacred geometry and the um, new mathematics that was exciting. I didn't know that it was going to go global through the internet, which it is now. Yeah, so I've got, I've always had a strong knowing about my purpose. Wow, that is a hell of a story. That's just a part of it, yeah, the beginning of it. Wow. So, so then I had to live after that. I had a friend on the community. He, you know, Nexus Magazine. I don't know if you know Nexus yes, Magazine. Yes. But the guy who started it off was my friend Peter Pegasus. It was actually called Maggie's Farm then, before my friend started it off as Nexus, and then now it's gone to another person. But basically, my friends um, had a farm up near um, the mid coast. So from Sydney, from Katoomba to um, mid coast near Taree inland of Taree Eland there was some communities up there and they said, we live by a creek, you can come and heal. So I wasn't meant to survive. I actually, um, I survived to tell the story. And um, I went and lived alone. I was walking down a country road with my friends up there. They, they said, come and live in a room, but I needed to be alone. 
So I'm just walking down a country road for a kilometre and I found an old schoolhouse, completely like, you know, near a thousand acres of paddock and dairy farms and running water. So I just literally said thanks to my friends for giving me the opportunity to come and stay on a farm. But I just walked in and it was an old schoolhouse, one big room. And being a builder by trade, I, I fixed up one overhead light that gave me power, a light to write by. And on the gr wall, there was a PowerPoint. I just reconnected some wires and it was all working. The power was on. So I lived there for four years and that's where I um, healed. And I started painting tankers, like Tibetan tankers. They're like big mandalas on, you can imagine like a bed sheet, three meter by three meter bed sheet. I was literally painting on cotton with fabric paints and I was channeling all these codes, all these like converting multiplication tables into atomic structures of platinum crystal, which is a worksheet that I've taken around the world. So I was bringing through all this stuff, but I needed to be alone. So I've done celibacy for about seven years, but I did four years of celibacy there because I lived alone and just fasted and I couldn't be around people. It was like a dog who's been injured and it had to heal its wound and it's just licking its wounds. I literally... To, to survive, it's like learning how to walk again after being stabbed. I, I, I'd lost all my blood and I healed myself and fasted on wheatgrass and um, urine therapy, I, herbs, everything. I just literally had to rebuild myself. And within a month or two of that, I was normal again. I was happy. But something kept me living alone. I could have gone back into society, but for some reason, I'd enjoy, I was enjoying the peace of being in the farmlands of, um, it was called Kipaxes near an upper Dingo Creek, very remote, 50 kilometers to the nearest shop to get food. I'd have to hitchhike every fortnight just to get some food to bring back and retreat for two weeks. Yeah, so that's been my story. Ever since then, I've always been living at the end of remote roads where there'd be a studio. So I became a very passionate artist doing murals, and that led to recording all the knowledge into um, booklets, you could say. So I wrote, I wrote some books. I've written 30 books. I write about like one book a year, a 200-page book full of mathematical codes and discoveries and epiphanies. So could we say mathematics is an expression of love for you? I think for me it became a devotion. I think trying to understand what had happened to me, like, why was I born into this family? Even though that my family gave me so much love and support, I was still an alien. So I, I feel like um, mathematics is a timeless language. It's a universal language. And I feel by finding patterns in nature and in mathematical codes, it kind of reminds me that there is order amidst the apparent chaos. It's almost like a God maps that when you when you study all these things like Fibonacci sequence and Pascal's triangles and the pattern of prime numbers, they all make amazing geometries. And um, but as I was studying all this stuff, I realised um, the institutes of learning are teaching us that there's no that that all these things like prime numbers are nonsense. That there's no pattern, there's no repeatability, and there is. So I became deeply involved. So I I realised that. I had in and from all my life, even at school, I always had a natural love of numbers, but I see it as a higher dimensional language because sacred geometry is really about understanding who we are, where we came from. So besides the mathematics, the other content is that's important is called geometry because that's the visual component. So when we learn about the one circle becoming the two circle, that's the vesica Pisces, that's the separation from God. And then when, when the two circles or two spheres form four, they each one divides like mitosis, the two becomes four. So if I said to you, here's four spheres, here's four spheres, um, how would you pack them or join them into a way that they were coherent? So most people would just put four oranges or ping pong balls just flat on the ground in a square. But nature doesn't do that. Nature looks or what's called perfect packing, perfect compression. So if you had three balls in a triangle, then stacked the fourth one on top. You know what the fruit man or woman 
when they're packing oranges, they, they stack them. Yes. So if you put three on the in the triangle, then stack the fourth one on top, that's your atomic memory. That's what you looked like in the first hour of being conceived in your mother's womb. You were one sphere, the zygote, that became two, and then two became four, eight, sixteen. So at four cell division, you were four spheres, a pyramid. But if you joined, if magic spider, if you can visualize that, you go inside the center of every sphere and join the four centers of the four spheres with straight lines because curved spheres are feminine and the straight lines are the masculine. So when you join those four spheres from the middle, the center point, you end up with um, a pyramid called a tetrahedron. Tetra means four and hedron means face. So tetra is that it, you would think it's only three sides, but there's also the base, the triangular base. So, so at one point in our evolution, we were a four-sided pyramid. And then the four cells becomes eight, and then you become a cube. So if you had eight oranges, you'd stack them four on the bottom, four on the top, and join the four, the eight centers, you get a cube. And then after it keeps going, eight cells, it keeps doubling. We were, so we're part of a binary code where everything keeps dividing the doubling sequence. So if you can keep doubling like two, four, eight, 16, at 16 cells, you become a cube within the cube, which is the tesseract, which is a hyperdimensional, fourth dimensional cube, which is talked about in the movie Thor. If you watch all this stuff about Thor and Thor's hammer and the power, Thor's that, they, that they're all fighting like galactic battles being fought over the tesseract. It's really about the, the 16 points of a cube that has a lot of energy. So that's called fractal when the inside is the same as the outside, the small cube in the outer cube. It keeps going to 16, 32, 64, double that 128, 256. And when you double that, at 512 cell division, the, the male geometry collapses because it can't sustain, and then it becomes like a blob and it's called like a donut. So if you're an embryologist, you would say, oh my God, at 512 cells, we became the shape of a donut and we call it a torus. A torus is a ring. And it has its ability to turn itself inside out. So as we kept evolving and growing, we, we evolved from this fourth dimensional sphere uh, in, and the sphere that is actually implosion. You know, when you look at an apple, it's not a sphere, but it's dimpled above and below. Mm-hmm. That's the torus, and that's the field around every human, every planet, every cell, every sun. When they released the footage, um, NASA released the footage. I think it was the Voyager craft that went to the sun. They took photos of the sun, and they quickly deleted a lot of the photography because before they could delete it, some of my friends, like Nassim in Hawaii, he said, oh, my God, we just saw the photos of the sun, and it's a torus. It's like an apple that has a north pole and a south pole because we thought, that the sun just explodes, mm-hmm. but we found out that it's actually implosion. So the key to our future technologies is understanding who we are because we were a Taurus, which is both implosion and explosion so that's at the what, same time. That's what I yeah. think of as a toroidal field. Yes. And everything's a Taurus, yes. And um, I really Blood like cells. the work that the HeartMath Institute did. Exactly, yes. They're, yeah. the, they're masters of this, yes. Mm. They're always learning more. Because they're saying that when you, when someone feels or emits true compassion for other people, they can actually measure that frequency. Because we didn't think, can we measure yes. emotions like when someone's happy or angry? Yes. But when someone's in a bliss state, we call it compassion or love, talking about love, it can be measured. And I think they're saying that the measurement in hertz, which is cycles per second, is 1.618, the golden ratio, the phi ratio in hertz. So there's something very special about the signature for love. And it's interesting that the, um, the Fibonacci sequence, the numbers of nature, when you turn those numbers, like the numbers that go 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, you keep adding the previous digit to the next digit and that creates the future digit. So, you, so 3 and 5 make 8 and then 5 and 8 make 13. When you convert that into art, as squares, it forms the knotless shell the golden spiral and if you did it in cubes if you formed them as cubes it would form the ram's horn the second dimension is the golden spiral which looks like, looks like the number number six or nine and then if you put two of those together if you if you took two five spirals and joined them together 
but not just like a tile-in. If you merged, there's a, when you join the um, golden spiral, like the letter six, the number six, it has a center point. There's a long wave. The long wave goes to the universe, and as it spirals in towards the center, it's going into the atom. We call it the short wave, and it's called the sweet spot. It's a point of stillness, like in a tornado, even though it's a big, powerful spiral, there's a still point or a wormhole, it's a portal. But when you merge two five spirals together at their still points or their sweet spots, it actually forms a love heart symbol. So th that's why I'm bringing this up because you, we wanted to relate all this ancient knowledge to the frequency of love. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the origin for the symbol of love is based on the mathematics of nature of flowers and human body proportions is fantastic knowledge is something that I would love. I love teaching to children and adults. And then the fourth dimension, so in three dimensions, if you wrapped around the, the ram's horn above and below, if you had two ram's horn where they're meeting at their tips and you could rotate them and record the path of spin, it would form the apple shape, the torus. So, so in a nutshell, there's a five dimensional um, wisdom going on here. One dimension, we'll call it the Fibonacci numbers, like three, five, eight, thirteen. We see that in nature, like a pine cone has eight spirals one way and thirteen the other way. So that mathematical sequence is one dimension. Two dimension, it forms the, the Northwest Shell Phi spiral in flatland. But we're not interested in shadows and flatland. We want to know how it's done in space. So, so when the squares become the cubes, it forms the ram's horn, and that. And then in the fourth dimension, it's the Taurus. But what's the fifth dimension? I've, so in my essays, when I study and research this and have epiphanies, I believe that the fifth dimension would be a state of love where everything is interconnected. There's no more separation. Every, what we think we create, that's the ultimate state. But obviously we have to heal all our wounds, our ego. Um, yeah, because what happens when you study sacred geometry it's like studying a pyramid. A pyramid is a highly tuned instrument of the highest order. And, and they found seeds in Egypt, like wheat seeds that have been preserved for thousands of years. So there's preservation, but also it amplifies energy. So if you have any thought of control or power or manipulation, you're actually um, destroying yourself because there's only the highest level of communication is through the love frequency. So anything less than love, actually affects the, the, the person sending it. So that's why black magic can't work because when someone's trying to manipulate you or take your energy or, you know, like a rape or anything like that, what that's saying is that the person who's doing voodoo, whatever we want to call it, they're saying to the universe that, hey, I don't have my own energy, so therefore I have to steal that energy or take that energy from an outer source. And the reason why that's weakening or disempowering because they're saying by this manipulation and control that they don't have their own inner power so that's what i call the fifth dimension of love is that when we realize that we are completely self-organized resilient beings connected to nature and and that there's infinite energy we don't have to steal or manipulate energy so that's what sacred geometry does it it allows me or encourages me to think into a deeper nature about who i am and and you know how we how do we have relationships that can work? How can we have businesses that are based on the Taurus model rather than the pyramid model? So there's a lot of sacred geometry schools in the world, and there's people who want to sit like I'm the king of the castle, and I'm going to make I'll grab all these teachers under me because I'm the I'm the king or the priest of sacred geometry. And what happens is that's all going to blow up because it's all based on manipulation of power of those below you to build you up. Whereas if there's a model that's based on the Taurus, see the Taurus has only an in and an out. There's no, forget this concept of Cartesian coordinates where there's north, south, east, west, above and below, which is great as an earth geometry. That's the octahedral coordinate. But in the cosmic scheme of things, the, the Taurus, it sucks everything in and then it spits it out. It's in and out. So we need to be based, if we're going to work with people on a business, we need to all be transparent. We all need to be on the same sphere. There's no separation like, oh, but not, not like the pyramid model. So 
so that's what sacred geometry has taught me is that some shapes work more comfortably than others and they all have different frequencies wow I loved it. I loved it because I've been holding that toroidal field image in my mind for a long time and that's how I think about my personal energy flow. Yeah. I'm a massive fan of the heart work of the HeartMath Institute and I guess yeah. between the HeartMath Institute and a, a person in Brisbane that I got to know very well, you know, that, that really set me up to, to begin thinking about the toroidal field. Yeah, it's the key to everything. It's um, it's the key, and it's all from the fit to me. I can say it all. The seed of all that is understanding the arithmetic of nature, nature's numbers, golden numbers, the Fibonacci sequence, and that's why I just released an e-course on talking about all of this because I'm so passionate about if students at a young age learn the mathematics of the Fibonacci sequence, it's going to open portals and doorways of celestial knowledge because we're just stuck in the terrestrial mm. and the, the math that they're given i know it sounds like a conspiracy theory but i'm convinced because I've, I've met a lot of curriculum makers who've shown me the curriculum from 100 years ago 100 years ago they used to study the fibonacci sequence and platonic solids and the golden spiral but someone but someone decided to pull it all out so we imagine for two and a half thousand years which is the time of buddha and pythagoras all our maths that you and I learned at school was based on Greek legacy. We, we, we learned it all from Euclid, who wrote it down in 13 books. But someone came along in the last 100 years and they said, oh, we're going to delete magic squares. They're evil. We can't have magic. That's evil. Oh, anything to do with the five-pointed star, we're going to delete it. So when, you, when I went through school, you know what they taught? They taught the triangle, the square, and then they went straight to the hexagon. There was no pentagon. And I thought, oh, my God, this is really uncanny. How can they teach the story of polygons, the three, four, five, six, and omit the pentagon? Because the pentagon is the shape of every protein in your body. The pentagon in three dimensions is a dodecahedron, which is the key to your DNA. So, so some movement has said we're deleting the pentagon. And then they said we're going to delete Fibonacci sequence. We're going to delete platonic solids. I had a professor in Wollongong, a close, so I'm, I'm a mathematician, so if I have big problems that I can't solve, I'll send them to, I'll consult a great mathematician called Dr. Chris Illert, and in, in a nutshell, he, he's influenced by Buckminster Fuller, and he tried to bring in the five platonic solids into Wollongong Uni as a subject. They forbade it, they deliberate, they fought him on it, and it's not happening. There's a movement where only certain things are allowed to come into the curriculum that are going to make you good at maths, but it's not going to awaken your consciousness. So I'm convinced that everything that I'm teaching in my book, The Art of Number, are the codes of creation. Because someone took it out. You don't take stuff out unless there's a reason for that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I won't say who took it out, because I don't want to get religious, but I can't say who took it out, but I know. But anyway, and then, and then I was teaching um, in, I lived at Talabudgera Creek, so I left New South Wales for a while because there was a lot of work in Queensland. So I, I, I was living with friends and I thought, I'll stay there six months. And I, I became very successful. I was teaching thousands of students all this Fibonacci sequence and the 108 codes. And then someone came along and they said, sorry, you're deleted. You can't teach this anymore. So it was a Christian. The, the people who design our curriculum in Queensland, uh, there's an office in Brisbane, all run by Christians. And they they deleted me completely so i was I, I i was told i could never teach in queensland again and i was innocent i was teaching the pure math so um that became like a diving board for me rather than seeing it as a conflict i saw it as an opportunity to create my own school uh, buckminster fuller had a quote he says don't fight the system create the new model don't fight the existing order if i'm not happy with the way they teach in math, it's none of my business. My job is to create a new model. So that's Buckminster Fuller's quote, and that's what I'm doing. So, and that's why I've created online courses now because I can um, control the content. I can teach what I think is essential. It can be translated. It go electronic files being sent. I can send it off to disadvantaged children in other countries of the world, and no one can control 
this ancient knowledge. So that's my mission. And it's thanks to the, the Brisbane authorities that shut me down and I had to leave Queensland again. So, so sometimes a tragedy can also become a blessing in disguise. You don't give up. You keep. If you, it's all about believing in who you are. Like I believe so strongly that th- this is not just a mathematical curriculum. This is a, a cosmic curriculum. And you know, you can teach meditation, music, yoga, um, healthy organic foods. Like so, when I do weekend seminars with children, we we can incorporate. We get other teachers who create beautiful foods. Maybe some child had never eaten an organic or a vegan plate of food before. So this is opening new possibilities. So, yeah, but my original vision um, was to create a physical school somewhere in the Byron Bay region. But for some reason, I've I've been here 35 years in Byron Bay. There's a lot of wealthy people, but no one's ever opened up the land. Everyone's sitting on hundreds of acres. Not one person has ever opened up their land to create a new school here. So, um interesting that now it's become digital so i'm just going with the flow deep down i would love to be working with 10 teachers like yourself where you know we have 100 students and we feed their souls we nourish them with the best type of education but that unfortunately that never happened so i'm a little bit sad about that but i'm just saying rather than fighting it you say okay why what am i meant to do not yet anyway not yet yeah not yet (laughs) that's right i haven't given up yeah yeah i love that i used to teach in a completely non-spiritual setting but i love that connection with a student and and even when you're not teaching heart-based learnings but that heart-based connection can facilitate learnings on such a range of topics exactly and yeah they say um you know when a when you're five years old a boy kisses a girl when you when, a, when you have a memory that is so powerful, like you fell in love with someone at the age of five, you can remember every single detail of the girl's eyes, hair, skin, her name, everything. And same with like um, a lesson. If a teacher gives an amazing lesson, that child, that young, say, 10-year-old child that I could be teaching or you could be teaching, they will remember that lesson that stimulated them for the rest of their lives. And, um, and it changes them. It changes the cells in their bodies. They might want to pursue that as a, as a vocation. So I believe the greatest thing that we can do, like I'm not here to say, oh, you've got to learn sacred math. I'm here to say, you know, what is it that when you wake up in the morning that ignites you? What, what's your passion? What do you want to do? Because I know as a business model, I only want to work with people who are completely passionate. Even if you don't have a, a, a financial foundation, by working with passionate people, I believe the money will come. So, so a lot of people, they work for the money, but the passion doesn't come. So you can have high income, but you might not be happy. So I'm um, suddenly by working, the big twist that happened to me in my life is that in the last, like five years ago, I was teaching three years in Singapore. We created a school there. And then I got work in France, teaching at the Chartres Cathedral at a university there and then that led to Germany. So I took my daughter to France and Germany over two years and she said, Dad, she's a website geek, you know, amazing. She does branding and websites. And she said, Dad, you're sitting on like a multi-million dollar industry here. We could be marketing and selling this, promoting it correctly through the right channels. And so in the last year, we've, we've, we've decided to become an online school with the family. That's the twist. So we're in a fantastic age with this digital content. But what I'm concerned about is that as we become more and more digital natives, we can't forget our connection to nature. That's where... And each other. Yeah. So in mathematics, the Fibonacci sequence is the code of biology of living things. Every protein in your body is a pentacle. Every cell in your body is sacred geometry, right? That's biology, Fibonacci. But the other code called the doubling sequence, you know, when I was talking about when we were four cells, eight cells, that's the mm. doubling sequence. So the opposite, you would think that the opposite to the numbers of nature, the Fibonacci sequence is the binary multiplication, two, four, eight, sixteen. But what happens is, we'll see, um, that, that sequence goes really, as you keep doubling 16, 32, 64, it increases very fast and efficiently, better than the Fibonacci. And that's the symbol for 
um, the silicon chip molecule, like everything on your computer is stored in what in cubes it's called and that's the eight cells when we were eight cells we were a cube so the atomic structure of quartz crystal is cubic because cubes pack efficiently there's no gaps right whereas the fibonacci sequence based on pentacles five-pointed star symbolism has gaps it's a different animal but the amazing thing between the controversy between fibonacci sequence versus the dublin sequence is that they're actually intimately connected if you were to draw you know when you drop a stone in a pond and you get rings within rings within rings? Mm-hmm. So if you drew those rings with the radius of one, then two, then four, then eight, so you're just looking at rings, concentric rings. If you just drew one line at a critical point, a tangent, you would see that all those rings are connected by the Fibonacci sequence. And it's like, what? These are two completely contradictory sequences, yet they are intimately connected. So that's called the phi pi relationship so i've discovered some amazing things that i can conclude that everything i know in the universe you can find the golden ratio in it so um when i say golden ratio the ratio is unity one is to 1.618 what that means is that when you bend if you extend your arm out and if you bend your elbow towards your face it's just that motion of bending your elbow, your arm to your face, you would think that the elbow would bend at the halfway joint. Like you would think that the midpoint of your extended arm, we'll call it 0.5. So if the arm is one unit, the, the elbow you would think would be at 0.5. But the reality is nature hates midpoints. Nature does not use those octaves, the midpoint. Nature uses a fraction more than the center called 0.618. So it's this fascination with off-centeredness that everything when you bend your when you clench your fist your digits bend at 0.618 not at 0.5 so this is all being measured and um so i'm fascinated that everything we need to know is actually in the human body it's in the mathematics of flowers and it's in the human canon it's in the distances of the planets from the sun they also obey the fibonacci sequence 3 5 8 13 so everything has a divine order and we call it the divine proportion. So when I talk about the divine proportion, I'm referring to a ratio, one is to 1.618. So if you're gonna build a house or a balcony or something, I would recommend you use one is the shorter length and the longer length is 1.618. Or if you wanted to use the pine cone, if one side is eight, the other side is 13. Because every time you divide a Fibonacci number into the next number, like eight into 13, is roughly 1.6 then the next successive pair is 13 divided into 21 is probably 1.61 and as you keep going like 34 into 55 you get 1.618 but 1.618 we call it the golden number but it's not actually a number it actually goes to infinity it never resolves it's the mathematics of infinity so it's a successive proportions it's an ideal it's like a heavenly plane because we're here on the earth plane so things approximate 1.618 that's why everything is a little bit disharmonic on the earth plane and when we talk about bringing heaven on earth like if i said to you mathematically how do we bring heaven to earth i would say that how do you if you had a square like a if you had a square which is one by one everyone can draw the unit square right that's easy Mm -hmm. um we, we would say that the perimeter of that square is one times four, because there's four lengths of one. So the perimeter of the square is four units. So if you pick that up, like imagine you measured the perimeter with a big shoelace or a string, and it's in your hand, you can say that this is the perimeter of the square, it's four. But if I turn that string of four units into a circle and overlaid that circle over the square, this is called the mystical squaring of the circle we're making the perimeter of the square which is the earth plane equal to the spiritual plane which is the circle the infinity so if you looked at the mystical squaring of the circle um, you'll notice that the circle overlaps the squares it cuts into its corners they're not but the what's the diameter of that circle where both elements are equal the the square is four units the circle is four units but what is the diameter of that circle and the diameter of that circle can be measured and calculated thanks to algebra thanks to the arabic 
mathematics, it's called 1.272, which means it's a bit longer than the, because the square is one unit, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a bit longer than that, it's 1.272. And that's called the golden root because it's, that's called the square root of phi. So phi is 1.618. So if I said to you, what's the square root of say, 64 you would say it's 8 because 8 times 8 makes 64 right mm -hmm. so when I say what's the square root of phi 1.618 we're saying what number multiplied by itself will give us 1.618 it has to be a bit smaller so the answer is 1.272 and that's actually the critical height of the pyramid in Egypt if the base from the center to the edge is 1 there's a thing called the Kepler triangle that's got 1 and the height of the pyramid is 1.272 it's called the golden root and it's the key to all future science and technology and that was taken out of your curriculum so i'm obsessed about this ratio so so what i'm trying to summarize is that to make heaven and earth equal to bring the celestial down into the terrestrial to make it tangible in our body we need to know the the subharmonics of the golden ratio we need to know the mathematics of flowers. We need to know who we are because those dimensions are in ourselves. It's in pyramids. It's in everything I know. So that's what I like to teach, and that's what I'm teaching in my online courses, but with worksheets so that you actually do it step by step. So we're not just we're not interested in more knowledge. Like if if I did a two day seminar on the golden ratio, at the end of the day, if we had to summarize the whole seminar in one word the word would be shareable because shareable, you know, if you meet someone in life that's selfish, you sort of feel repulsed by them. They're not shareable. Someone's stolen all this information and they're hiding it. But if, when you meet someone that wants to give and share, you feel attracted to them. So the key to my seminars is the key. Well, this is Dan Winter's word. Dan Winter used this word in his seminar. And I thought, oh my God, this rings a bell. We want to become more shareable because that's what the Fibonacci numbers do. When we divide eight into 13, there's shareable successive wavelengths called non-destructive wavelengths that approach infinity. And that was the key to the internet. When they tried to develop the internet, which was a military tool for soldiers on the battlefield, they had problems and because there was interference. And when they, and they won't teach this at school, but when they used the digital compression of the Fibonacci sequence, um, the Fibonacci compression sequence, they used, they invented the mobile phone because the problem is mobile phones still have a distortion which causes cancer because they're not in the true golden ratio. But once we apply this technology of the Fibonacci sequence to internet and mobile phones, we will be able to transform this 5G, which is destructive, into what we call 432 hertz, which is based on the Pythagorean hertz. So I'm not afraid of all these agendas that are trying to control the world because they lack they lack um, spiritual content. And we can take that negative technology because it's controlling and convert 5G into a harmonic of the universe, into the harmonics of the circle of flowers of unity consciousness and make it biologically resonant. So that's why we need to know these numbers of nature. We need to copy nature and then apply it. So my job, it's none of my business how people apply these codes. Um, my job is just to say, look, I think this is important. We should use it. So I'm just like a farmer throwing out the seeds. Some seeds will grow, some won't. It's none of my business. I actually met a, a world-famous psychic that came to Byron Bay about 30 years ago. Her name was Barbara Masiniak. Yeah, yeah, Barbara Masiniak. And she... She gave an amazing lecture, it was packed out, and then I was really shy and I said, I wanted to ask a question. She said, that question time. So I said, why am I continually studying and researching magic squares all my life? Why haven't I moved on and, you know, and become a teacher, done something else? She said, if you knew why you're doing it, you wouldn't do it. She said, your job is just to do it like a farmer throwing out the seed. Some seeds will take and some seeds won't. So you don't analyse it. So sometimes we're kind of like working unconsciously or from our subconscious or from the, it could be from the heart, I'm not sure. But we're all here to discover who we really are and like, do we have past lives? Um, is there life on other planets? 
all we can do is meditate and go within and find stillness you know within ourselves it's not about how much knowledge you have it's about how much we can share connect educate grow gardens you know um, live on pure water pure food so when we're eating organic foods we're changing our matrix we're we're reprogramming the distortion to something that's harmonically viable and yeah so it's all interrelated as you appreciate and know wow i really want to double back just a little bit and this is out of my personal interest really but way back at the beginning of this conversation you were talking about tesseracts being fourth dimensional yes and then we went into the fifth dimensional dimension which was the toroid or what i think of as the toroidal field yes because that connects the infinitely large with the infinitely small the galactic to the atomic with non-destructively and then it can only do it because it's, its index is based on the fibonacci sequence without the fibonacci sequence we the wave guides conflict with one another so they're in the right proportion that's why we call it the golden proportion the golden measure, the sacred cut, because the proportion of 8 to 13, which is the pine cone, which is all about counter-rotating field. So when you look at a torus, imagine you've got the globe in your hand. Mm -hmm. If you look at the top north pole, the energy apparently goes clockwise. And as it it spirals around and around, it goes towards the equator. Something happens at the equator where the spin is reversed. And then suddenly it goes anti-clockwise towards the southern hemisphere. So we know that by studying nature, we know that there's something special about what we call counter-rotating fields. Um, we, we still don't understand it, but it's connecting the infinitely large to the infinitely small so that it can actually turn itself inside out like the tesseract. The cube within the cube is kind of the masculine version of the feminine Taurus, but the secret to the Taurus is not one big giant globe or Taurus. It's called, you know, if you picture the image of the Russian, is it called the Babushka dolls, where the dolls within the dolls? Mm-hmm. You've got the grandmother with, and the mother's inside of that, and her child's inside of that. It's, it's, an, it's a connection to ancestors. It's about how do we survive? How does our DNA learn to survive if we can't learn to, learn to embed? and take our DNA to the next level, we will all just end our species. So DNA is all about catching your molecular information to the most efficient thing called the helix. So the double helix is another counter-rotating field to helix. If you pick up a slinky, like that kid's slinky that they stretch out, mm-hmm. it's made up of two spirals. One spiral is going one way and the other spiral is going the, the other way. And if you were to walk up that spiral staircase or the slinky or your DNA and slice it at one point, like a transverse cut, you would see that DNA is actually made up of um, a a golden rectangle where the zipper is, where where the helix separate and become another code. But at the center of the DNA molecule is a golden rectangle hydrogen bonds. And then attached to the golden rectangle which is the shape of like your master card or your business card that rectangle is in the 813 ratio attached to that is a hexagon then a pentagon so you've got all this golden ratio going on in the molecular structure of dna and if it wasn't done in pentagons and hexagons which we call pentahexa composition it would all fall apart same thing like if you look at a sunflower flower the big Florid, the face, it's the size of a plate, like your face. Mm-hmm. If, if nature didn't put those seeds in the 2134 counter-rotating arrangement, if they, were, if, if, some, if they were put in like 21 spirals one way and 21 the other way, nature doesn't do that. The seeds would literally fall out. It doesn't compress efficiently. So we're always looking for perfect compression, and that's the torus. But the, the secret to the torus is... Taurus within the Taurus, and the plural of Taurus is called Tauri. So we want to nest our Tauri with one within the other, infinitely large and infinitely small, so we can access all the dimensions without decomposing. So that if we want to travel to Mars, if the technology in the future is what they call like a jump room, where we push a button and suddenly we're on Mars, we have to know how to keep 
our molecular form intact that doesn't disintegrate under compression. So we believe that the golden ratio is the key to all technologies, to Star Trek world that we're entering now. But again, this technology can be manipulated. So we want to know that the children that are building robots and doing the coding in this generation have are shareable, have love, have nature. Their parents are teaching them how to grow seeds in the garden and how to drink from the spring waters and watch animals on the farm being born. If we don't, if we lose that connection to nature, we're just going to become slaves or cyborgs or whatever. I don't want to go negative. Maybe this whole zombie apocalypse is is a sign that if we don't stay connected to Mother Earth, we're just going to, it's going to be a zombie apocalypse. Can I conclude with a symbol of the Pythagoreans talking about health? Yes. So two and a half thousand years ago, you had the Pythagorean order and they had a symbol. So if you were traveling through, so Pythagoras was born in Phoenicia, but there was problems there. He, he at a young age, his parents moved to um, Greece. And I, I believe in, in the Greek empire there where he had his school, there was political problems. He moved again and had his school in North in Italy called Crotona. So there's a lot of mystery school stuff going on, but you couldn't enter the school unless you recognized the badge, the emblem of that university was a five-pointed star and it was a blue pentacle for whatever reason blue pentacle and that was like a badge to say if you're traveling through europe and you saw the five-pointed star above someone's door you knew that oh they were a brother or sister of the pythagorean order but not anyone could enter the order it was for men and women but you had to be silent you had to fast your tongue your mouth for one year and be in silence because that's where all the gossip we had to we have to slay gossip and um, speaking badly about others because that's a reflection of ourselves, you know. So they had to be silent, and then in another year they had to fast. They had to hit, um, have a healthy body to have a healthy mind. And so what I liked about the Pythagorean order is that in, if you read this book by Manly P. Hall called Secret Teachings of All Ages, that's one of my Bibles. He shows there's a glyph of a ring, a Pythagorean ring, which is kind of like a club thing. Everyone in the club's going to wear a ring, a signet ring. And it had the five-pointed star on there embedded into a crystal. It had to be a special stone. I think it was a blue sapphire. I think it was sapphire because sapphire connected you to the higher self or intuition. Um, and anyway, there was five letters, Greek letters attributed to the five angles of the pentagram or the pentalpha, it's like five A, the letter A done five times. So those five letters that was a description of their community was called was H Y G I A. So in Greek that would spell Hygia, which is the goddess of health and healing. Um, that's where our word hygiene comes from. So the Pythagoreans believed that there was an intimate connection to health and mathematics. It's not just a math, this was a cosmic language and it was in ourselves. So I love that connection. And then later on, when Greek got translated into the Latin, when the Romans won the war and they took over and the printing presses started, they, they translated the Greek hygia, the word for health became in Latin or Roman salute. So those five letters became S-A-L-U-U-T. So, you know, in Spain today, when they click glasses, they go, salute means to your health. So there's a blessing, but it had its original seeding in the pentagram because the five-pointed star is the most sacred thing. And the five-pointed star was done on Christian churches. If you get, went to Germany in Reims, R-E-I-M-S, and looked at some of the cathedrals there, the main lead lights in the churches were the giant five-pointed stars because the six-pointed star with the six days of creation and God rested on the seventh. So they used the, the Star of David to show the, the Genesis, the six, seven days of creation, six days, which is the seed of life, the flower of life pattern. But the five-pointed star perhaps related to his crucifixion. So, so the five-pointed star has been, was in ancient times completely sacred. So when the pagans lost their power and they became Christianized, 
the Christians inherited all the pagan religions. So the five-pointed star was supreme symbology. But as you know now, it's become the symbol for the witch. So someone's come along and said, oh, we need to demonize this five-pointed star. We don't want people to access their DNA and become unlimited. We have to put a lid on this. So they took it out of the curriculum. So, yeah. So anyway, I'm not dwelling on the the negative side. I'm dwelling on the fact that by teaching our children and even adults the construction of the pentagram, the construction of the golden spiral, how to draw magic squares that create the atomic structure of diamond lattice, how to convert your times table into the atomic structure of rutal and platinum crystal. It becomes this thing called atomic art, that we're not just joining, turning numbers into pictures, we're creating atomic structures where we're, we're, we're ringing a bell, we're, we're tuning an instrument of our soul. You know, it's really, it's a cosmic language. And it's really sad because, because we were talking about this connection to biology, technology. As we keep advancing with technology, we, we don't want to lose this connection to nature. It's really important that we remember how important maths is. Because, you know, if you muscle test someone and just say the word, like imagine you've got your arm out and you say the word mathematics, most people's arm will fall down and bend. It's weakened because the word mathematics is tainted with, oh, no, I don't love maths. Oh, I hated it at school. Oh, or My teacher told me oh, there was a lot of emotions. Teachers said to students, oh, you're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You don't know your maths. And, and that crippled a lot of adults today. So there's a lot of healing. When I teach this stuff, a lot of people cry. When I do seminars, people just start, some people just start breaking down and crying and they can't stop because they will, they've been carrying in their cells of store the memory that their teacher told them they were dumb or why wasn't I taught this at school, this cosmic mass. And so this is in our cells. It's, it's, it's all about remembering the cellular memory. So I often tell people, people say, where did you learn all of this? Because I'm just a bricklayer from Sutherland Shire in Sydney. I'm just a brickie and I've built houses all my life. So I had to know when you're building a house, if there's a lot of mathematics involved. There's a thing called a datum point where you, you've got to get all the four corners right. We use water levels. We have vertical poles where every pole is marked with, you know, 80 mil for the brick and then 10 mil is like the size of your index finger. So you go 80, 10, 80, 10. You've got to make sure that when you do the four corners of the house, they're in perfect level. Otherwise, you've got to pull it all down. So um, I learned mathematics on as on the building sites and suddenly I became a natural Vedic mathematician, but I never learned from anyone. I, I believe that I have this memory from past lives. Could be from the time of Alexandria. Maybe I was just, um, at the time of Pythagoras at the Alexandrian library. Um, there was an amazing um, Egyptian king called Ptolemy the first and the Ptolemy had an epiphany and he, he went, he sent his scribes out to collect all the Tibetan texts, the Incas, the Greek, the Egyptian, all the world's knowledge was put into the library of Alexandria. This is 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years ago, but something happened in the third century where the Christians burnt it all down. So we lot, I, I believe that a lot of this knowledge was taken underground, but it's never, and I believe that the memory of all this knowledge that I've feel I've had lives connected to it's still in ourselves so I call it soul memory I've never had a physical teacher say well you've got to learn the Fibonacci sequence and the platonic solids I've just passionately kept studying it so I love I'm like a scholar I love research I stay up to 2 a.m every night when there's at 2 a.m a door opens in the ethers where suddenly you see all the patterns and epiphanies happen you know so I love that time of night yeah. Well, I'm gobsmacked. This has been an incredible journey for me to listen to. There was a point in the conversation where you triggered some kind of memory in my uh, energy field, I guess, and um, it was really emotional. Uh, because the knowledge is already there. There's nothing – the knowledge is already there. It's just remembering how we access it and um, you – and you're already a um, pretty aligned, spiritually intelligent person because you've been doing practice. And, and I think as we, we can call it, we can invoke it, we can talk 
to our highest self. And I believe that's what the numbers do. The sacred geometry, the patterns and the numbers talk to ourselves in a way. Well, I think my brain needs a little break. Um... <laughs> Mine too. I, I was happy. I think we'd be more than an hour. I thought we could easily comfortably talk for an hour. But once you start this kind of conversation, you can go for several hours. But maybe we can always do a second part for those that are interested. And um... oh, It's just been fabulous, Jane. We're still recording. So I just want to say to yeah. our listeners that your website is jane j-a-i-n 108.com and they can find all of your digital resources there and of course i just encourage everyone to visit your site to read more of your story to look at your digital resources your ebooks and your courses and encourage anyone who has children to go to the website and to look and to get involved and to do this work um, with your children and um, I know that once you get started it no longer feels like work it it becomes alive it, it becomes its yep. own little life force and it becomes a thrill and a joy to learn so please remember jane108.com and also if you want to watch a few video like one minute or two minute clips of some of the courses that we're offering on the golden ratio there's another a second website so jane108.com is my personal one I've had for 10 years but just this year we formed a second one for the e-courses so that's the same one it's Jane 108 Academy so if you add A-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com Jane 108 Academy is where you can click there and you'll you can watch some of the uh, video clips on our courses if you want to know what's what's he talking about what's the golden ratio all about so thank you so much for allowing me to share my passion it's always a joy I'd love to come again at any time that you would like to do another topic and keep Uh, sharing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jane. Also, I just want to say that if you want to take what Jane talks about in tiny little bite-sized bits, follow him on Instagram. Uh, His Instagram posts are both beautiful and knowledgeable. Yeah, so and I'd also like to thank you for being here for sharing all your knowledge and so enthusiastically. It's been a pleasure sharing time with you, Jane. Thank you. And I honour the work that you're doing, creating a portal for it where people can talk about their passion and ideas and and to grow spiritually together. Thank you so much. Well, that's my pleasure. So for listeners who haven't been with me for the journey, there's other wonderful podcasts uh, and there's also my website, livetruetoyou.com. I'm all about understanding your emotions so that you can understand who you really are and unlock these potentials that can take you in an infinite number of directions, really. And uh, you can follow the podcasts and my notifications and so on on social media. Uh, The handles are live true to you with heart. Because as Jane said, it's all about living from the heart. It's all about sharing. It's all about being connected and not seeing ourselves as individuals standing alone. So with that, thank you and bye for now and we'll share again another time.